0: Welcome to Top Worst Whatever, the podcast where we rank and discuss the top and or worst of whatever it is my guest wants to talk about. I'm your host, Jake, and joining me this week, we have Father Brendan Laroque to discuss our top 10 Star Wars Expanded Universe novels. Hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: I'm Father Brendan Laroque. I'm a priest for the Catholic Diocese of Valentine, Pennsylvania. Currently a parochial vicar at our cathedral, and I'm also a chaplain to uh, the Newman Center at one of our colleges, which I tend not to name online, mostly just because it's a Lutheran college, and I don't want to ever. We have a interesting relationship with them, a good one, I think, but I, I prefer not to let other things in my life mess with that. I've been I've been a Star Wars fan for a long time. I mean, I was born in I was born in '81. So the original trilogy is something I kind of uh, mostly saw on TV or on uh, VHS tapes before they were re-released in the special editions, which I, I did see Return of, the, Return of the Jedi on the big screen. And so I got a big CGI dance number and said, oh my goodness, what did I do? But uh, I, and I would say that I kind of have two starts with the expanded universe. My school library, I went to a Catholic school, which now no longer exists, has been merged and merged again. Their little library had a couple of uh, Splitter of the Mind's Eye, is kind of the first eu novel in some ways right. um, which i read and some of the lando Carissian and the han solo ones the early ones and i read those but then again also when i was in college i i, I kind of came back with what we would say that was the beginning of the modern uh, expanded universe which would have been timothy zahn's Thrawn trilogy i forget why um the eu is just kind of Going into that point, I think, when I started picking up, there was a big deal about the first New Jedi Order book. Mm-hmm. And so I asked somebody, I was looking online, you know, back in the early days of the internet, where would I start? And everybody said, you know, read Zon, read Thrawn. So I read, it was a, it was a weird week, because I read, I kind of read all five of those Thrawn books the, mm-hmm. in, in a week. I bought one, I was like, all right, I'll buy this. And then I read it, and then I, I ran back to the Barnes, and this is, you know, Amazon was new, you know, it took forever to get stuff, so I ran back to the Barnes and Noble, bought the next two. I had a weird hiccup because one of them had a misprint where they reprinted half the book again a second time. <laughs> so like, I ran back to a Barnes and Noble at, like eight thirty on a on a night when I should have been doing homework to be like, "Hi, I bought this the other day. Here's my receipt. You need to get me a copy that works so I can <laughs> finish reading this." And I kind of got into the EU, I, the EU there. I've read a lot of EU. I haven't read everything in the in the old EU. I haven't read very much at all in the in the rebooted EU because
2: mm-hmm.
1: the one I started with wasn't didn't catch me, and I like. It's been sitting at three chapters in on my yeah. Kindle for for probably at this point two or three years. But uh, I really do like the old stuff. I, I recognize that a lot of it schlock, that especially when they kind of get into their big plot lines, that not everybody mm-hmm. likes everything about them. You know, most of my stuff is, is not related to that. I have two that are related to that really, and they're mostly related for like cool force stuff uh, yeah. for the one and and philosophy on the other. So
0: I'm a bit younger than you, but we Stays. my fir- my first memories actually were watching the original trilogy on laserdisc at my aunt and uncle's house so i have a very fond memories of the the gigantic laser discs and then i did get to see when they re-released things in the theater i ha- i do i re- i don't remember most of it actually because i was still pretty young at this point but i absolutely have a memory of watching the battle of hoth on the big screen and then i got into the novels actually the first my first real exposure to the expanded universe in the, the mid nineties. So I was about five or six at this time, the Rey released these series of books, the essentials guides. I don't know if you ever had these, you know, the essentials guides to you know, vehicles and vessels and the characters and all this sort of stuff. And I was obsessed with those. I read all of those books cover to cover I don't know how many times and I was obsessed with them. There was, and I'll get into this later, but there was a specific spaceship that I just loved. I think it was in third grade. We had this project where we like, we wrote our own, you know, short story and illustrated ourselves too. And they like sent it off and got them like professionally bound. So it was like a little thing, but the, I wrote a science fiction story and the, the spaceship I wrote, I, I illustrated for my story was based on one of the, the obscure star Wars ships from, from the essentials guide to vehicles and vessels. So I've, I've been into this expanded universe stuff for a really long time. Most, most of my, as far as I have, active memories. So let's go ahead and get started. We're going to count down from 10 to 1. I think we both kind of cheated in some ways and combined certain yes. trilogies or series into into one thing just to make it easier because there's, there's so much stuff out there. So uh, I have
1: a technical question for you. Mm-hmm. I have 11 books because yeah. I have a novelization of a movie in here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that counts. And so if you were going to say no novelizations in movies, then I had 10. But if you, you know, so that's really...
0: Let's throw them I there. Uh, not to spoil too much, but I, I cheated a little bit as well. And I have a, a series of comics as well, which is not technically a novel. But I have a series of comics in my list as well. So let's go ahead and, and start with your, your number 11 then.
1: Okay. Well, my number 11, maybe it should be higher. But I have Shadows of the Empire, which was kind of a, a short... Mm-hmm story, um, you, you're well probably aware of it, it's between Empire and Return, and the whole point is kind of to fill in what they did, what Leia and Han and everybody, did, and Chewbacca and everybody did, to kind of find, to set out the plan. So you've got this thing where Luke goes back to Tatooine and he builds his own lightsaber in Benzel, you know, Hermitage. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's stuff on where Leia is, and Chewbacca and, and Lando are doing stuff with organized crime, trying to find inns to get into Jabba's palace, and It's 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 all right. Steve Perry wrote it, and I've read a lot of stuff by him. He wrote a lot of, it probably still does, I think. But I mean, especially when I was kind of really getting into becoming the bibliophile I am, and it was all like sci-fi. A lot of my starting stuff was was on um, on on franchises. So I read stuff he wrote for Predator, stuff he wrote for Alien,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: those universes, etc. I think he's he's a generally a workable author. I mean, I don't think a lyrical master, if you will, or anything, but I mean, mm-hmm. he, he he plots okay. It was interesting, and I especially like the, the the Jedi stuff with Luke kind of getting himself prepared, you know, because there's that kind of moment. We get a little of it in in in, in Jedi, but there is some when he goes back to Yoda's hut and all. But there's kind of a, like that change in him mm-hmm. between the guy with his hand cut off at the end of Empire and the guy who walks in, you know, to Jabba's palace and says I'm a Jedi Knight. And and it did a it, it did a reasonably well job of kind of fleshing that out, especially, you know, obviously before we had bigger ideas of how the Jedi order was. Mm-hmm. That the prequels kind of provide for better or worse depending on your point of view. I liked it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to say that it's it's something I reread a bunch of times, like maybe yeah. I have some of the other stuff on here, especially some of the stuff by, by Zahn, but it was good. And when I was like, well, maybe I should add one more list, I said, oh, well, that one, I don't know why I didn't think of it, but yeah. let's put that on the end. So.
0: Yeah, so I have, I have Shadows of the Empire on my list as well. I actually have it up all the way at number five. It uh, probably it's li- serves to be higher. It's It's a little difficult for me to disentangle it from the video game, I'll be honest. And so a lot of my positive feelings towards Shadows of the Empire just as a story is is more tied up in the video game than it is in the actual the, the writing of the novel. It was part of this big media push they did. And so there was the Shadows of the Empire game, I played it on the Nintendo 64. I'm not sure if it was released on other consoles as well. But we had the N64 at my grandma's house and Shadows of the Empire was one of the few games we had there. And I played it I don't know how many times. I absolutely loved the game. It was great. I loved the opening where it start. The game starts with you escaping the battle of Hoth as Dash Rendar. And you can like trap the the snow troopers in rooms with wampas, which is awesome. And the wampas will kill them all. But then there's just so much flavor there. They have the first Star Wars replicant is in Shadows of the Empire. I think Prince Zizor is a fantastic character. There's lots of cool stuff like swoop bike races and things like that. And the... The Prince Azor and the Black Sun, their ships, the Star Vipers, uh, to this day, I think are the coolest Star Wars ship design. That's my that's my favorite space fighter is the the Star Viper, which came from Shadows of the Empire. So uh, the a lot of the you know the images and the the emotions I have tied up in this story are like I said linked more to the video game than the novel itself. But I I really do enjoy that that story, and like you said, it really does serve as that link be- between. Empire and Jedi, and when Luke shows up in Jedi, he was this whiny kid, you know, screaming, "No, that's not possible!" and getting his hand cut off. And then he shows up, and he's this badass in all black. He's got a new lightsaber. He's using the Force. He he force chokes a, a you know, a guard. Like you're like, who is this badass, and where did he come from, you know? And, and so, Shadow of the Empire is kind of the answer to that that
2: question.
1: And it's and it's interesting too because you, you get the you get the Luke. I mean, the Luke you have at the end of of Empire. Is can't believe that Vader's his father, the look you get in Jedi has come to terms with it and recognizes that not only is this man his father, but his job as a Jedi Knight is not first and foremost to defeat this man in physical battle, but Mm -hmm. you know, to, to try to bring him back. That he right. can feel something, which is a powerful, a powerful moment. I think you can, you we can talk about how how Jedi has its you know kitty stuff or whatever. What you love mm-hmm. or hate the Ewoks? I, I kind of like the Ewoks. Honestly, I think there's something funny about the, interesting yeah. about the, just the very nature of that insurgent force against this technological <laughs> empire with with you know good leadership and a plan pulling something yeah. off. But I get why some people were like, oh, I don't believe teddy bears. I mean, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was also a kid when I first saw it, yeah. so I mean, I was more prone, and I think. You know, I saw the Ewoks cartoon at some point, like mm-hmm. it was on, and and like they used to replay on TV a lot. That was Ewok movies, and so I had a disposition as a as a child to, to like those things. But there is something powerful about that, and and how does he become that man? Yeah. Because he's kind of already that man at the beginning of Jedi, yes. and and there's something there with him kind of going back to Ben's old hut, him having to build his own lightsaber, him having to find that center and stuff. That's really part mm-hmm. of it, which is. Which tells a story that's worth telling, you know, it's, it's, it's not like I wouldn't say it's like it's missing or whatever. Like, I get there's time jumps between the movies and we're, we're coming. And so I, I wouldn't say that, like, the, that the original trilogy is somehow bad for not having that. Right. But it's a story worth telling. And I, I think I am thankful they told it.
0: Absolutely. So my number 10, one, I don't think it is aged particularly well in a lot of ways, but it's on my list mostly for some of the things that introduced to the Star Wars universe that I love. And that's courtship of Princess Leia by Dave Wolverton. This this is one basically where Princess Leia is courted by Prince Isildur of the Hapian Consortium. This is where Han Han basically in a jealous uh, uh-huh. regression kidnaps her and escapes to a planet that he won in a gambling. I don't know if he was playing sabacc or whatever, but he he won this plant. He won an actual planet, uh, uh-huh. and so he kidnaps Leia, takes her there and it, you know hijinks ensue and they eventually realize that they they actually do love each other but it's a great it's a great story and it introduced the planet of dathomir which gets used quite a lot going forward the Knight sisters I think are very cool and, it, and also just the hapens and so when i i talked earlier about the, the story i wrote from reading that Essential guide to vehicles and vessels for some reason the hapen nova class battle cruiser i thought it was it was so cool and so this is one of the ships prince isledor basically offers one of these ships to han in exchange for him giving up, you know, his interest in, in Leia and Han, obviously turns him down. And part of it is he's insulting the Falcon while he's doing it, so that that's really what sets Han off and makes him kidnap Leia. But I I I just love I love the story. It's great, kind of showing how they end up actually together. And I I love some of the things that introduced to the the universe. Yeah,
1: and especially for 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 the the hapens and the the Dathomir witches, mm-hmm. you know, the night sisters, and the good I guess light side groups. Yeah. Become very important. I mean, that falls into you know, uh, Tenelka, um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Jason, Jace Solo's Paramore, I guess would be the best term for it. Yeah, and then the mother, therefore of 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 the god of the of the granddaughter of, of Han and Leia, who they end up having a. Having a raise, basically, because of course hapens are you know prone to assassinate and do harmful things to each other for power.
2: Yeah, it's um, so.
0: it's a it's a great yeah. I mean, just the the introduction of the hapens is a, it's just a nice introduction. It's a nice addition to the universe. All this you know political intrigue and court assassinations and thing like things like that.
1: Yeah. And it's something that, that, you, for tonal reasons probably, they wouldn't want you to do with the New Republic because, you know, as as much as there can be scheming and politics in the New Republic, they're still the good guys, you know, um, from the interview's perspective. So, you know, having assassinations and stuff like that doesn't work, but you can get the Happens where you can have a, a good leader, you can have good people there who can be allies, but also you've got all this, it's, a, it's an ancient, it's got its own ancient kind of ways of doing things, and not everybody's yeah. nice. And yeah. you can do things with them that fans probably wouldn't like so much. In their, I mean, I would probably like in The Republic, but, you know, but that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. But they're very good, yeah. All
0: right, what's your number nine?
1: Okay, this is, this is here solely for a force power, literally. So it's the first of that Dark Nest trilogy that, that okay. bridges New Jedi Order with whatever, the Joiner King. And mm-hmm. literally, Jason goes, Jason Solo goes to the anti Monks and he learns this crazy force power where he can run back time Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't literally time travel, but he can use like you know there's force links everything and there's memory to it or whatever, and and so he can see what happened. He can basically mm-hmm. take a walk back into the past. Now this gets abused. He abuses this later on when he becomes uh, Darth Cadus or however you pronounce that, and he tricks Tahiri until he can bring back his brother Anakin. So who who she loved because he can't because he can't actually affect time. But there's a really cool chapter where he does that to figure something out, which is how they end up finding the killiks, which. species that used to be on Alderaan uh, and were thought to be extinct, but aren't, you know, and it clears up some stuff about some people who disappeared during the new, the new Jedi order, you know, and kind of brings them back in an interesting way, you know, as it goes, I thought the trilogy was good. I think it's Troy Denning who wrote it and I've liked a lot of his stuff. I think he's got one or two other books on, on my list, you know, uh, it's not groundbreaking, but I just really liked that chapter and Mm -hmm. it sticks out in my head to this day of something cool done with the force that. Was really kind of out there, but makes sense. And, mm-hmm. and I always enjoyed one of the things I liked about the the expanded universe. Like one of my one of my favorite of those guides is like the essential guide to the Force. Like some of those weird offshoot philosophies, like the team monks aren't part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like they, don't, they didn't fight in whatever they weren't Jedi, they weren't Sith. But this kind of uh, use of it, and I, I I always like when they do things with that. I like books that perhaps I'm in the minority of those who who are reading, but I like books where they do cool things with the Force, and I like books where they do like. Weird philosophy with the Force.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. I I remember that chapter as well. I, that whole thing when he when he's with the young T Monks is is super cool. And actually, before I even ever got into playing Dungeons and Dragons, the first RPG I ever played was the Star Wars RPG, and I I had a character who was a Long an T Monk. Yeah, love that stuff. My number nine is Shatterpoint by Matthew Stover. This is one I think it's my only book that's from the the prequel era. Uh, but this is a uh, a Mesa Windu novel, and it's basically and this was the, you know, the author intention. They're basically Apocalypse Now with Jedi. And it's just, it's just a, it's a great story. It's, it's, it's very dark. They don't go into detail with these sorts of things, but it just really shows the effect that, you know, the Clone Wars are having on, on the galaxy and on, on, you know, the people on the ground. It's a very sort of tragic story and, you know, kind of tells the tale of Mace Windu trying to rescue his apprentice uh, from the dark side and, and ultimately failing in that mission.
1: Yeah, I liked, I like the idea. Mace Windu is an interesting character. And some of the most interesting stuff comes from just the fact that they cast Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. And so just the way he acts. And he wanted a purple lightsaber, and that wasn't an option, but you don't say no to Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. And then they build a whole mythology around this about, like, even about his style of fighting. You know, the lightsaber forms, like what he has, a pot or something, how you mm-hmm. say it? Yeah. But, like, this whole thing about, like, he is a man himself who walks a fine line. And a lot of what he has done has been to help him continue on the path of light. And, and when they go into stuff like that with him, I, I think that's amazing. And also, you're right, some of the beauty of the of the expanded universe, what it did was, we see a very, obviously a very, in the movies, the Clone Wars are seen very much from the perspective of, of, uh, of, of Obi-Wan and Anakin. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of has to be the point because of the the, arc, the the kind of myth arc that they're trying to do or whatever, um, the narrative arc. But to see those other things that aren't just like, you know, those brief betrayal scenes when Order 66 is given or, or things like that, brief shots of other battles, but to get into some of those things, they did. There's a lot of stuff that does good work with the clone troopers and how they kind of are become mm-hmm. different people, even though yeah. they're all, you know, um, even though they're all clones of one guy and right. things like that. And and I always think that stuff is interesting. And that was kind of one of the interesting things about Star Wars universe is that it's a you, you know you get a kind of a setting uh, of uh, of uh, things where like any of those stories work. I mean, you know, they told zombie stories in it for God's yeah. sake. I mean, those aren't on my list because they were a bit. Flocky and what I did. I didn't dislike them necessarily. Some people hated them, but I don't think they were like top 10 stuff. But even that, like, just like, you know what? Force virus manipulated by Sith. Now there's the living dead. Yep. You know, I mean, that's weird. But I do think that they did some good stuff with Maze Windu and stuff that. Unfortunately, he didn't really get in the movies. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Samuel Jackson was criminally underused in some ways. I mean, the man can do some amazing stuff. You know, and and they could have done more with him. I think. And it just kind of hurt me that they cast somebody like that into a character who obviously is interesting, but then the overpowering arc of Anakin's fall really kind of just pushes him to the periphery in ways that were unfortunate. And I, I'm glad that a lot of EU work gave him some due, yeah. uh, as that uh, character some due.
0: Definitely. All right. What's your number eight?
1: All right. My number eight is the uh, 13th book in the New July order. It's called Traitor. It's another Jason Solo does force weirdness. Mm-hmm. It's the book where he's captured by the Vong and he yes. meets Vergier And she starts talking to him about what ends up being called in some part Potentium, the idea that there's not really a light side or a dark side. It's how you use the force, right? All kinds of weird force philosophies. He creates a lightsaber with a crystal. He grows. In one of the Vong's living gardens, he kind of train, learns how to sense the Vong and the Force, you know, because they are alive, but their relationship to it is different as an, as an extra galactic or a different galactic species. But mostly just the weird philosophy stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Force philosophy. Uh, there's a, I, I don't know who to credit this to. But the best uh, description I ever heard of, of Jedi philosophy as it is kind of presented. This is before, like, weird Catholic Twitter. This was back in the Catholic blogosphere. And I don't even remember who did it because it was a comments box, which is probably now lost forever. But <laughs> yeah. he, uh, he called the Jedi Manichaean Calvinist Buddhists.
2: Yep, that which I think right. is
1: relatively fair as a description of, of, of those things. And and so I always, you know, I those things aren't all good some of them are are, are 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 better than others but this kind of weird um and that's so why i liked books that were like well maybe not like i like things with 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 gray jedi i my favorite i almost threw a game on here I almost threw two games i almost threw the two Knights of the old republic games on mm-hmm. my list i kept myself from it i like Jolie bindo i like darth Kreia i mean i like Kreia yeah. before you recognize she's the, the weird force stuff and the even the yeah. exile and two and like his weird connection to the force i like if you ever read the comics, the Star Wars Legacy comics, which take place in the far future, and like the Fel Empire is now risen, so like right. Jagged and, and Jaina had kids, and now their kids are the Empire. I like the Imperial Knights, the old Imperial Guard, but without the helmets, and they have lightsabers, and all their lightsabers are gray or silver, like silverish gray, and they're, uh, you know, they're they don't care about light or dark; they care about loyalty to the Empire. I think gray Jedi stuff is interesting. I think alternate force philosophies are interesting. I this is ultimately one of the books that gives us jason solo as a dark lord of the sith because it comes down from on high that no light side and dark side are it dark side is bad if he's not light side he's dark side now he's a darth you know now verger is actually a secret sith you know things like that but i like that book i like the weird philosophy i could get why like i've read a a lot of mixed reviews on it obviously if you don't not a sucker for force philosophy it's not also to be fair as i remember it there's It's not to the point of what we would say, something like the Saw movies are or something, but obviously the Vong have this weird thing about pain and body manipulation, and they Mm -hmm. use torture, and you know some of that is a bit, you know, what they do to people. um, What they do to Jason is a bit, can be a bit much much for some people, and I understand that as well. But what sticks with me is really just that interest in the Force philosophy and the payoff that allows Jason to take up the role that that Anakin was having, but then he died, being kind of the hero of the New Jedi Order very really, uh, very much because he he figures out how to use the force competently against this enemy. And that begins in his training during his, ca- his captivity and that kind of testing. And I don't know how much um, Verger and Kraya were ever fought together, but it's very much like Kreia and Knights of the Old Republic too. Sith Lords mm-hmm. are like, she's just like anything you do. She's like, well, why'd you do that? That was dumb. You shouldn't do that. And like, you make a light side choice. She tells you that you, you know, you're helping you're putting a band on a wound, you're not really helping people. You make a dark side choice, yells at you for being a brute and an idiot, you know. But that kind of very Eastern, Socratic method of teaching, which is what Virgier is I think that's cool. I thought it's cool. Yeah. So
0: that whole potentium discussion and uh, all that stuff with Virgil is, is one of the major things that sticks out to me from from the new Jedi Order series. And my next book, my number eight kind of is a lot of ways the the finale of of the, those conversations my next one is from the legacy of the Force series which is the next one after usually order invincible the final one where ultimately Jaina, jason's twin sister after jason has become darth Cadus, she has she's basically forced to to kill her brother to defeat him but i i, I like i really like the legacy of the Force series i i forced myself to pick one and just because it's you know the climax of the series, I decided to pick Invincible. But uh, there's lots of great moments, and then like I see the fourth series earlier than this. Jaina basically she goes to to Mandalor- to Boba Fett, who is the, the now the, the leader of the Mandalorians, and uh, she goes undergoes you know anti Jedi combat training with Boba Fett, which is which is really great, and she you get some insights into Mandalorian culture there. And he, they deck her out with Mandalorian ar- iron, the the Beskar. You know, she gets the the Beskar armor and things like that. Lots of cool stuff. And and it's it's kind of a tragedy at the end there because, uh, you know, there's all these competing interests with Darth Cadus and the Moths and the Hapens and and the Jedi and things like that. And at the end, the Moths they're they have this like nanovirus that they have developed that only targets members of the Hapen royal bloodline, which. Includes Jason's his his paramour and his daughter, and so he he realizes this, and so he's trying to tell people, he's trying to tell Prince Ezzelдор, and he's trying to tell Jaina, like, no, you need, to, I need to stop this, like, I need to save them, and no, and they don't believe him, and in that moment, he basically he he's weakened, and he's trying to reach out. And, and warn Tenel Ka and that's that's the moment where he stops being Darth Cadis and becomes Jason again and it's in that moment that Jaina kills him. So it, you know there's a there's a there's a real tragedy there that I, I think is is pretty great.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. And I think one of the things the EU does well is you know, there's there's ways to to to, to do shades of grey that is, is that is just relativistic. Mm-hmm. But the EU went at its best does shades of grey in what is a, a very black and white universe in some ways, certainly in, in the films um in a manner that's good you know where, where they try to do stuff like that you know i mean so i tried to do a little bit of that and i think especially like the weird romance between Attican and padme in um in attack of the clones but it was just mm-hmm. horribly written and just you know you can't do anything with it but like this idea of, of empire versus republic this stuff i just read a cool quote i was looking up stuff about thrawn because i was thinking about thrawn again and mm-hmm. there's a quote i guess it comes from one of those expanded universe guys i think it's the one on war and warfare and it's a, a historian who's doing revisionism on Thrawn, and he's basically like, you know, if you believe that Thrawn and Palpatine really talked about the threat of the Vong and were aware of what was going on in the Unknown Regions,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you you know, maybe they were ra- they were right. I'm not saying to be like, yes, the cruelty of the Empire is fine, the weird Nietzschean values of the Sith are fine. I obviously, I don't believe that, right? I'm a capitalist. Yeah. I can't, I can't be okay with with murder and 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 uber mensch thinking and stuff like that, but it brings this point, like they're put up against a wall, maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe so it's not as they're not as the blacks aren't maybe as dark. Right. As they were. And, and that's interesting to me because it's interesting as character portraits, you know, like, like Jason solo was not, he was a hero Mm
2: -hmm. and he
1: was a villain, but insofar as they did his arc, well, he was both. And you understood why he was, why he was both. And,
0: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of his fall comes from, you know, a reaction to the Vong, You know, really one of the heroes of, of the war against the Vong, and, and, and his desire to, you know, once again, kind of like Palpatine, to, to unite the galaxy to prevent, uh, you know, a, another tragedy of, of this sort of invasion from happening again. And so, you know, you, you don't necessarily agree with his, uh, his line of thinking or his justifications, but you understand his motivation, and it, it makes sense for his character. Let's move on your number seven.
1: I have a Tatooine Ghost, which is a story set right after Leia get married. They're looking for a painting called Killick Twilight
2: mm-hmm. because
1: that painting has some kind of secret code in it that could cause trouble for the New Republic. It's relatively early. There's a little bit of Thrawn in it because he's looking for the painting. He doesn't even know, you know, that it's got, I don't think at the beginning that it's got anything in it. He mm-hmm. just as, as you know, one of the things Thrawn likes is to have alien art around Because he has this whole point that, like, well, somebody has to be in charge and boss everybody else. If you're a good leader, you take good ideas from things. And so he likes to look at the art of other cultures because it helped him think differently, which Mm -hmm. he thinks is useful for tactical thinking. But what ultimately happens, the framing of this story, is that there's a difficult point where, like, they're newly married. They're talking about having kids. And Leia meets in Mos Eisley. I don't remember which one, but one of the friends of Anakin, who's now an adult in An Old Man, and he tells her some stuff, and she gets all nervous about having kids, like, how was my father, what was he like? And then, in separation, she ends up on the old Lars compound, and she basically finds a diary that Shmi kept from mm-hmm. Anakin's leaving as a boy to when he came back, basically, right before he came back, right before he was kidnapped by the, the Tusken Raiders, and her memories of her son and what she thought he would do. And what she thought he hoped he would become. And it's an interesting book because it allows Leia to a, have a connection with her a grandmother she didn't know. And also to connect to her father.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: one of the interesting things, of course, it, that happens in Jedi, right, is Luke has this connection with the father. he with, with Anakin, with Darth Vader, that he feels the possibility for good and he redeems him. But Leia's role as... Elsewhere in that. And so Leia is still does not have that kind of peace that, that Luke has because she didn't experience that. Her experience of Darth Vader in person was this brutal enforcer who kept her prisoner, who tortured her, you know, who, who brutalized people, who stood by while her planet was destroyed by Moff Tarkin. And so this fear of the Force as a legacy in her own family and this fascinating realization that what Anakin became a wasn't set by who he was as a child and 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 b wasn't necessarily preordained right and be able to have to connect to her grandmother and through her grandmother to her to her father as he was as a as a child and who she hoped he would be as a man she becomes you know that eases her fears about having children you know if her and han having having kids that you know whatever happened to her father won't happen to her children necessarily because they're going to be living in a different galaxy. They're going to have parents who 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 you know are hopefully are there for them, um, you know. And and so it's an interesting book, and it's a nice little bridge between. It does a nice job sort of pr- bridging the prequels and the original trilogy in a, in a way that I think was kind of important. And does play I think an important thing because it does give Leia a certain amount of closure that Luke gets obviously in Jedi that mm-hmm. she doesn't because of of where
0: she is absolutely and it's it's one of the things and i don't know if if it's something that they've addressed in in the the rebooted canon because i haven't really kept up with that but it's something that i feel like would be so valuable for the the current film trilogy the the sequel trilogy because obviously this connection between the generations you know and, and kylo ren ben solo and and his grandfather is so important and so and we don't really have from the movies. A, a grip on what leia's ultimate relationship is with with her father and his legacy and so that's the sort of thing that i i agree it was is a very power, powerful thing to read and i think it's something that at least as far, as far as i'm aware is missing from the the current canon great so my number seven is the first book of the darth bane trilogy path of Destru- destruction by drew car Carpician. i don't know how to pronounce his last name it All looks right. like a Wookie- it looks like a Wookiee name actually <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this is, this is the story that explains the, the transition from the, uh, the Old Republic, you know, the, the old Sith way, where the Sith were, just like the Jedi, you know, large in number in the Sith Empire and things like that, and how they became the Sith that we know from the, the prequel trilogy, the, the, the two. You know, there, there's always two, the Master, the Apprentice. Darth Bane is the one who created the Rule of Two, and so it's the story explaining how, how he got there. And it's really interesting, and I, I think it's a great look at sort of the, you know, the life under the the Sith Empire. If anyone's ever played the Old Republic, the the MMO, mm-hmm. uh, sort of the Sith the, the Sith warrior storyline or the Sith Inquisitor storyline, going through the, the, the Sith Academy and how terrible and everything mm-hmm. it was, it, you know, you get that sort of view of how brutal and merciless the mm-hmm. Sith were to their own to their own people. Uh, even you know their own their own uh force users people that could possibly be great warriors and leaders for them just how unforgiving and and they treated them like they were their throwaways. And so it's a really interesting look at that and then the, the way that Darth Bane rises to power and the shift in the philosophy from you know sort of this this brutish way of the Sith to to being cunning and uh you know in, in using cunning and deception as their weapons.
1: Sure. That's a, a great book. And it is interesting, like, I've never played the MMO, but even in the first nights of the Old Republic game, when you go to and the Sith Academy, especially if you're playing a dark side path, if you're playing Drain the dark side option,
2: mm-hmm. I mean,
1: you send these people to die, you get your instructors to kill them, you kill them, and it's like, and you can literally tell your instructor, that oh, there's one path in that where you would be like, oh, I, I killed, I murdered them and got this. It's yeah. like, here's the thing, you want it? And they're like, well, didn't X have this? You like, what well, I did, but I killed them, and they're like, good job. Like, yeah. you're obviously the stronger. It's like, okay, but like, also obviously... That's one last person who, obviously a powerful force sensitive to get into the Sith Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and there is this wastefulness to it. This, this, this brutishness. Which is one of the things, in the long run, the only thing I didn't like. I mean, not that you had to do it. But like the tiny dark side actions in those games. Which is mm-hmm. why I really liked in 2 where Kraya critiques whatever you do. I'm going to steal money from this person like a thug. And it's like, why? Why would you do that? you have all this power at your hand, why what are you for what, a fifty credits? Why would you be that person? And there is something to like I always prefer I mean, to just kind of put it into like D and D alignment, right? I like lawful evil a lot more than chaotic evil. Mm -hmm. Lawful evil is interesting. Having a code that binds you is interesting. Recognizing that you can be a bad person and still carry very deeply about certain people in your life, that's interesting. Because that's human and we we can see that. I mean and and so I like that about the Darth Vane the North And also, like, his past as a kid, like, his own kind of, and how mm-hmm. you see how he gets there. And that's one of the things I like about, I liked about it, same thing I liked about Tatooine Ghosts. There's no kind of, well, you were just destined to be an evil person. Like, there's background yeah. here that pushes people to where they go. Yeah. Um, even people who become kind of horrible people in the galaxy. Yeah. And I always think that's a worthwhile story to understand, because it has... It's just, I mean, obviously, here I'm speaking from a Catholic perspective, but it, it has reality to how we have to confront person, possibly people. Uh, and, and also just to to recognize that, like, it's... From our perspective, nothing is set from the beginning. I think that's important. Yeah, you know? yeah.
0: and I, I think it adds a lot of depth, too, because a lot of ways, especially in the video games, especially in, in the first first Codor, the, the Sith Empire morality, it's kind of silly. It's like the choice between, okay, do you kick puppies or do you buy ice cream for orphans? Like, mm-hmm. it's very... Very simplistic, and so you know it definitely gives yeah. a bit more to the yeah. Sith morality,
1: and you know limitations of engine and all that jazz, right? Which is the problem with X morality systems in in a lot of games of a certain period. You know, and I and I say this as someone who loves the two KOTOR games very yeah. much.
0: And uh, I do too,
1: but uh, but you're right. Yeah, it's like it's like oh no, here let me give you more credits for your sick family versus nope, hand me your med pack. Your kids get to die because I'm the bad guy. You know, yeah. like weird little stuff like that that doesn't really doesn't speak to the kind of person you necessarily see when you see Jedi and Sith. At least not every version of them, you know, and so.
0: Yeah. What is your number six?
1: Dark Lord, The Rise of Darth Vader, which is an immediate, it's another kind of bridge. It's an immediate follow-up. Vader, as he's at the end of of the Sith. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of hunting down Jedi with the 501st, getting the last of them. What interests me uh, is it sets up, A, just Vader, like Vader doesn't love Palpatine, whatever he might have felt about Palpatine before his final fight with Obi-Wan. You know, there is a dra- I can even use the image of a dragon sometimes, but there's this rage in him and his master is not free of it. Which plays out, of course, in like his offer to Luke, which is also part of the rule of two, like join me, be my apprentice, we'll overthrow my master. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also fascinating things just about how he's got to fight differently. And part of this is, is obviously the difference between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy is special effects stuff. And so you're not going to have the jujitsu wire foo flipping around in the mm. original that you do in the prequels. But like, it lays a plot. Like, Why doesn't Vader do that? Well, he can't. He doesn't have his legs anymore. He's got these cybernetic legs. They respond differently. He's got this heavy bodysuit that that weighs him down and there is you know and and his views of the force is different now he's not jedi he's Sith. he is burning with anger and hatred at to the whole universe at this point really and how that changes so right so like the anakin skywalker you see in the prequels is 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 you know flippy magic ninja right mm-hmm. the Darth vader you see when you see him do anything at all is is brute force i smash through this door i cut you down you know i choke you smash you in very different ways and the novel does a really good job I think of, of taking what is obviously in, so on screen the difference of special effects technique and things like that and also of what audiences want in some respect you know what they think of as ooh wow sword fighting but placing it in the context of this man is different his body is different uh, he has to be on constant life support he's in constant pain that pain is making him constantly mad so he's maybe stronger in the force than he was but he can't use his body the same way. He mm-hmm. doesn't use the force the same way. And, 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 and so that difference between Darth Vader as you see him when he becomes Darth Vader, which is still very much Anakin Skywalker style of figs, his fight with Obi Wan on, you know, flipping around and kung fu y, and the, the Vader you see, um, you know, at the beginning of, of Star Wars. I'm sorry, or, or if we need to, A New Hope. And, and, and also puts the context then too of, of the fight. Obi Wan is, is older. Physically, but also wiser, and he has a different, he has a better understanding of what he needs to do to really preserve the the Jedi in that moment, in that fight. But Vader is also different. Vader is not the man he was when he was the apprentice of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and not just in the sense of, of his fall, but in the sense of his whole persona, his whole, his body and his mind, and his, the way he uses the Force. And and that's interesting and I don't know if that was intentional to kind of cover up those differences in combat, but it does. I was thinking about it why that stuck with me so much. That description of how he fights different, and 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 how it really does do that in a way that uh, that just takes what are the limitations of each particular period's filmmaking, you know, or, or, or and and the and the strengths, I think too. In some ways, I think you know, I think some of the sword fights in uh, in the original trilogy are the lightsaber duels are are actually better than than that flippy ninja stuff. Not because I don't like wish you or any of that stuff, but but because like it just fits better for the, the mythic kind of character. But it does a good job of putting out a kind of in universe explanation yeah. and an interesting psychological look at Darth Vader as well. You know, from the inside, which is sometimes the benefit of the novel. You know, because you don't get that in the movies all the time. Right. And one of the problems that the prequels had is the dialogue. George Lucas has strengths, but dialogue and. Even to some respect, directing is not always those. I mean, but, and I don't want to at all speak badly of the man. He creates something I love. But but some of those weaknesses show very hardly in the prequels, and so it makes it very hard to understand Anakin as anything other than Anakin doesn't seem to grow in the same way Luke does, from being kind of whiny yeah. to being in, in on screen. And where, where stuff is, fills that in better, I appreciate that. Because I think it better fills out than the whole arc of his fall and redemption, you know?
2: So absolutely.
0: So my number six, I have the Han Solo trilogy by AC Crispin, which was up until the recent solo movie, the, the origin story of Han Solo for, for my money, this version is much better than what we got in, <laughs> in think, the, right. the solo movie explains things a lot more satisfactorily. It, the, the arc of the character makes a lot more sense in full Uh, i felt like the the solo movie which is something i worried about with a prequel movie in general is that it has issues with providing good character arcs when the character already had their arc later so the the trilogy i think gave him a better starting point and allowed him to continue to grow into who we see in a new hope and who he becomes through empire and and jedi but also just gives a much more satisfactory answer to some of the questions like how did he meet chewbacca or how does he know how to you know how to speak uh to chewbacca in the first place uh things like that uh, much more satisfactory answers other than we met in a prison for five minutes and i can somehow understand you and now we're best friends <laughs> so yeah. you know this he he was basically kidnapped by this like smuggler pirate group and used as like a you know, child thief, soldier, smuggler, and he always wanted to escape. And so he had a, there was a, he had a Wookiee friend in the group that, you know, a, a, a female Wookiee who kind of mothered him basically. And that's how he learned. I'm not going to try and uh, pronounce how you, you say the, the name of the Wookiee language. <laughs> um, but you know, taught him how to speak Wookiee and then sacrificed her for him uh, so he could escape, sacrificed her life for him so he could escape. And so later when he's in the Imperial Academy and he sees Chewbacca being beaten and about to be killed by uh these imperials you know he it's because of her that he ends up saving chewbacca you know sort of as his way to to pay her back and that of course leads to the the life debt that chewbacca has to to han solo and uh, all that sort of stuff but it's it's i think a a much better origin for for han
1: i think you're right i think i said this when i saw the solo movie I think I saw it on Netflix. So I ended up going to see it in the theaters because well, it the was a Christmas release. And all my all my new stuff has been seen at Christmas because my friends, um, a friend of mine from high school, his mom always throws an Advent party, like at the end of the end of Advent, and we always go. And if there's a new Star Wars out, that's says gift to the friends, you know, which the you know me, my sister, his brother, our other buddy, and now his wife. Like he's like, I'm gonna buy us tickets. We're gonna see this Star Wars movie. And Solo came out in like June or something, and we were like, Oh, right. no, that's, that's not gonna happen. I always, I think I said, I think I tweeted it probably like. Solo would have been a better movie if it wasn't associated with Star Wars at all, and everybody had a different name. Yeah. As a space heist movie, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I liked it, but it, as an origin story to Han Solo, it didn't really. Mm-hmm. It's been done better, you know, as yeah. you said, and and it was it, it, insofar as it wasn't necessary. Not only because you don't always need that, because he's got a perfectly acceptable arc in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. but also. Because it's been done better, you know, but we have to, of course, throw all that out because we want to contradict it in our in our movies. And because and, now we want to make a Star Wars movie a year or something, because that certainly won't burn anybody out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah.
0: And the this, this, the movie, at least, definitely suffered from the we need to somehow make every little detail about Han Solo, you know, have some sort of weird relevance. You know, his blaster and, all. you know, his yeah. jacket and his his name. Oh, God, don't even get me started on how he gets his name in the movie, but um, you know, just it definitely suffered from uh, what I think also was a major issue with the prequel is just the sort of fan servicey, like we need to give an ex- explanation or tie li- literally everything into the other movies that you know yeah. about.
1: Ch- Yoda can't just know a Wookiee general; it has to be Chewbacca, yeah, because the fans know Chewbacca, and how mm-hmm. could we have how could we not show Chewbacca if we have stuff happening? On uh, uh on I can't on i just gonna call it the Wookiee planet like, Kashik Kashik yes. um it's one of like I always like trying to pronounce Wookie things in the books and mm-hmm. like nope nothing yeah that same kind of thing like you know we need to see this I'm like well no we don't it's fine that Chewbacca's not a super important general that knows Yoda because mm-hmm. that we don't need that for Chewbacca to be a good character Chewbacca's a good character because he's tough and he's loyal and he's He's Han Solo's right hand man, and we know that about him. We don't need to have, you know, you know like why didn't, you know, I'm gonna go meet Yoda, guys. You know, what's your mm-hmm. should Be like, bros, he's gonna meet Yoda. It's cool because I know this dude, super awesome Jedi. Let Luke go, but like yeah. decided not to say that because he forgot the little green man that like gave him that long farewell like oh chewbacca the, at the, the end the, of the, the war <laughs> the, the
0: the general the general that came to help him defend his home planet against invaders yeah. yeah don't 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 remember the, that little green man with a no, it lightsaber is, it's
1: familiar but i don't know maybe i maybe i maybe i played sabacc with him at some point you know Who yeah. knows? all
0: right uh what's your uh your number five
1: all right this is kind of my cheat like you know i had 11 this is like the reason the revenge the Sith novelization i don't need to go into detail about this I bought it in hardcover. I own this one in hardcover. I, I, I did. I don't know. I might still. I think I gave a lot of my Star Wars books away. You know, when I started moving around, and now anything I own is mostly ebook because I can it's easy to move a Kindle library. It's not easy to move a <laughs> physical library. I, I bought it. And I was like, I'm not going to read this till I see the movie. And it came out like three months, or something. and I was like, I can't do it. I read it. There's just all the characterization, all the dialogue is better. Like, there's mm-hmm. a beautiful the opening scene. you just know, start over over Coruscant, and they're fighting. The opening thing is like. Talking about the people, of course, aren't being freaked out. Oh my God, Grievous is here! You know what are we gonna do? We're doomed. And then, oh no, Anakin and Obi Wan are the the HoloNet net. You news have built like these guys' exploits have been major. They have been built up by the news into heroes, and so the relief that the planet of Coruscant literally feels when these guys leave their squadron in. And which gives you a, a grounding in and in, in why these guys, you know, are a major deal. It's not just because they happen to meet a princess when Anakin was what, like ten or something, not even mm-hmm. and Obi-Wan was a teenager or his early twenties. But like these guys have become and that gets you know, filled out more in the Clone Wars TV series, obviously, and in, in some of the Clone Wars comics and, and novels you know, that cover that period of time. But it's just this beautiful thing. And just there's dialogue in there that I'm like, I can't wait to hear that said on the screen after the last movie. And it's not, it's, yeah. it was made up from the basic plot outline and it's just kind of a better, And I don't, don't want to go into you know, too much detail. I mean, it is a movie novelization, but there was just beauty in it in a way that made me like, you know, revenge of the Sith is ultimately viewed as the best of the prequels. And exactly. I mean, I'm not going to say it's necessarily not, but like it was a downer when I saw it because I read yeah. the novelization and I was like, the book was way better. Hmm. And you know
0: that's it. that's it's interesting i've i've heard from multiple sources about that about the novelization of *Revenge of the sith and i've i've never read it it's always been something like oh that sounds interesting uh, i'd be interested to to read that but i've never gotten around to it but I've, i have heard from many different sources that that is if you're going to read one movie novelization that's the one to read yeah so we already talked about my number five which was shadows of the empire let's go ahead and move on what's your number four
1: i jedi okay which oh, is wait an offshoot of both the Jedi Academy, oh, I forget the name of it, the new Jedi Academy, the three book trilogy that introduces Kip Doran and Luke Rebills the Jedi Academy, basically. Yeah. Um, but also of Stackpole's X-Wing novels. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's actually, I had never read Stackpole's X-Wing novels before. I read i read them afterwards, but I bought that book because I think I, that, that new that Jedi Academy trilogy was the one I read right after reading all of the, the Thrawn books. I was mm-hmm. like, well, that sounds like a cool thing. And, and Kevin J. Anderson is a, is a good author. You know, he wrote that. I mean, he's, he's written some, some stuff I really like. I mean, he's written some stuff I don't really like either, but, you know, it happens, you know, especially mm-hmm. when you've got his kind of output. And it was good, but this whole thing with and Horn, and it brought together, and it's why I, like, I originally was like, I don't know if I want to read the X-Wing books. I mean, fighter pilots, whatever, it's not really my thing. But that book brought it together. You've got this guy who has a Jedi pass and has to embrace to save his wife. But he's also, he was a cop. He was a fighter pilot. He's a spy. And it all comes together <laughs> in, in just a really good, almost noir. I mean, and they've done stuff later on, like Course at Nights and stuff, that's 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 very explicitly noir. <laughs> but I just that book just I thought it was great. I thought it was amazing and I really liked the character. It made me go read the other X novels, which I'm glad I, I did. Great characterization of, of Wedge and and the different squadrons and and just uh, building up the universe, you know, and kind of overcoming you know my my fighter pilot prejudice because you know in in the in, not to speak down of real fighter pilots or anything but but you know the movies like oh by the way here's these guys who are mostly gonna die you know yeah. uh, you're gonna know them when they get blown up this guy you know crashes into a Death Star bridge this guy gets whatever we call this guy Porkins because why not and it really fleshes out those characters in interesting ways in the New Republic era and. I like I, Jedi because of what it is, but also because of what it opened up to me. And kind of made me go, okay, maybe I should read those novels. And just the, the great, ultimately a detective story by mm-hmm. a man who has been a cop and a spy, a, a pilot and a, and a soldier. And ultimately, because he wasn't sure he was going to, you know, he, he kind of took on the thing to like, I want to learn skills that will help me save my wife. You know, I don't really care about being a Jedi, ultimately embracing his own legacy as a Jedi and, and becoming a relatively important one, I think. as the Yeah,
0: yeah. Cor- Cornhorn becomes a, a pretty major figure in the, the later, later yeah. Jedi Order. And I'll, I'll have a bit more to say about the, that series a bit later. But my number four is the first book of the new Jedi Order series, Vector Prime again I definitely had to include at least one book from the new Jedi Order series and I picked the first one Vector Prime just because of really the singular moment that stands out to me and this is really the moment that signaled to people that this new series was was going to be pretty big and that's the fact that this is where we get the death of Chewbacca okay. and so this is the the kickoff of the the Vong invasion of the galaxy and there's there's all sorts of really interesting stuff that happens of them trying to figure out, you know, what exactly these, these people are, why can't, you know, Luke is like, why can't I sense this, this guy in the forest, things like that. There's all the sort of mystery around that, but ultimately ends up on the first major attack where the Vong use one of their creatures to basically suck a moon onto its planet and, and destroy the planet. And so in the course of trying to evacuate people, Anakin, Anakin solo, and and Chewbacca are trying to help people and Chewbacca basically sacrifices himself throws Anakin onto the falcon so he can get away and Anakin tries he might can't get to Chewbacca in a way that'll save him and so he makes the decision that he has to leave Chewbacca behind on this this doomed planet so it's it's just a great kickoff to this very long series i think new jedi order is the longest of the expanded universe series it's like 19 books yeah. There's like 19 books in the Jedi Order, so it's 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 this huge series. It's the start of of this big series, and it it starts with a bang with killing a you know a major character, and it it does so in a way that leads to it's a lot of interesting character moments because Han really struggles with his relationship with Anakin after this for for a long time because he he views it as Anakin abandoned Chewie that he left him behind yeah you know, that he's responsible for Chewie's death and so you know and, and and you know Han has issues in that that leads to Anakin having some really. Strong personal issues going going forward throughout this series and Anakin Anakin for the you know the the first part of this series is is really the major character, even though he's the younger brother
2: yeah
0: he's sort of the golden child of of the jedi uh but he's he's struggling with a lot of these these demons and his relationship with his father and that that's really where it starts
1: that's true and it was a and it was a powerful moment too, and it's interesting that all the characters make sense. You understand why Anakin does what he does, you understand why Chu does what he does. You understand why Han feels the way he feels as the series continues and also how that affects both characters. And and then of course when Anakin dies, that affects Han in other ways too, because of, of that estrangement. And it's it all very paid off as character points and they all make sense. I'm trying to remember. I just have this memory of of like the last thing before the moon crashes into the planet. They're flying away and, and Chewbacca is just like defiantly howling at the sky. Yeah. You know, and it's like he's dead. He knows he's dead. He saved his, his, his best friend's youngest son, and he's not going to go down meekly, you know. And it was it's a payoff for, for Chewbacca, too, I think. And ultimately, mm-hmm. the repayment really of his, in a certain sense, of his life debt in its Absolutely. ultimate form were uh, to save his, his, his best friend's son, you know, at the expense of his own life. And Absolutely. it's a very worthy send-off to a character who's obviously important and much beloved, and rightly so, and... And that's really what, what mattered the most. When I started reading New Jedi Order, I put it off for a bit because I had heard, you know, I kind of got spoiled that Chewbacca died. And I was nervous about, like, oh, my God, they're going to kill off a movie character just to be like, we killed off movie characters, no one's safe. And then when I finally said, you know what, I'm going to go into this, and I read Vector Prime, I said, all right, that was a worthy send-off to, some, to a character who matters yeah. Who matters to fans? Who matters to the to the story? Ultimately, to the galaxy uh, of of the Star Wars universe, and I thought it was uh, well done.
0: Definitely. All right. What is your number three?
1: This is my only prequel novel. It's really high up because I love it. I just quoted it on Twitter the other day. My little like you know little yeah. little little teaser Yoda Dark Rend- Rendezvous. This novel is super divisive when you read reviews. Its author is Sean Stewart, and I think it's his only Star Wars novel. I loved it. There, there are a number of things I liked in it. I mean, there was some cool Jedi training stuff with Yoda. But what he thinks he did is, you know how Yoda, when you first meet Yoda in, uh, in Empire, you know, it's just got this very kind of, I'm just thinking about this because like I, I poke, I, we watched, last week I watched Karate Kid again, and the way Miyagi does stuff. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about the way kind of a lot of martial arts movies work, where sometimes the mentor will act like he's not competent, or I'm not going to do anything with you. And the way Yoda kind of plays and jokes around with Luke at the beginning of his training. And Luke is getting really frustrated. I want a great warrior. I want to do this. And Yoda's like, you're not getting the point, son. Sean Stewart brings a lot of that in. And there are a lot of fans who didn't like it. Like, this isn't Yoda. Yoda's an awesome, like, super butt-kicking, you know, Jedi master. What's he, like, joking with these young men and playing practical jokes? And I'm like, anybody remember Yoda's first introduction?
2: Mm. And,
1: and the reality of that is, is it's a teaching technique, but he uses it that way in the book like he does some of these things with these with the with the padawans with the young younglings you know whatever as a way of teaching but he also enjoys it and why wouldn't he he's Mm -hmm. an old man old men like messing with little kids sometimes like little jokes and stuff and it's it's a beautiful thing and yet he does have that yoda you get in the prequel the more like i am a master there's that line i quote it which is i love so very much Because the book ultimately comes with him going to um, I can't remember the name of the planet, but it's Dooku's home planet. It's the planet he returned to to be, you know, to be count on after he um, left the Jedi Order for his idealism about politics and stuff and things like that. Dooku says at one point you're still trying to teach me. I'm not your Padawan anymore. And Yoda goes Yoda a teacher is he teaches like drunkards drink like killers kill. And, And this idea that teacher is who Yoda formed himself to be. Yoda's not just his personality, not just his, his, his temperament, but who he has made himself to be is a teacher. Yoda mm-hmm. cannot stop teaching you, ever. And you see that in parts of the prequels, which are nice. You see that when you first meet Yoda in the original trilogy, who Yoda tries to be. Yoda is a joker. Yoda has a sense of humor. Yoda can also be deadly serious. But everything Yoda does, all those aspects of his personality, he has brought into, into teaching, which is beautiful. It's also interesting because you get bits of Dooku. You know, there's a funny part. Somebody mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. I forget who. But the opening crawl to Revenge this is like, there are heroes on both sides. It's like, what do you mean? And you get bits of why Dooku's heroic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yoda's memory of who he was. Even of what he's trying to do, he's not going about it in the right way. But there is this kind of noblesse oblige to him in some ways. His idea that things are not being run well and this is hurting people. and he, and, and, and there's still something in him. As twisted as it becomes of his aristocratic heritage, and and, and not like his parents were great or whatever, that's like kind of part of it too, they weren't really. But there is a part of him that wants to be this is my hair, this is who I am, was born to be, and I should be this well. And that means caring for things, and my planet has become this toxic wasteland because of its abuse by the rich, but its abuse by the trading companies. We've got to shape a new galaxy. Which also makes it ironic, of course, that basically his goal is to be the Head of the, his part of the whole plan is to be the head of the Separatists, who are a bunch of corporate right. you know, technocrats, which is amusing in every way. But that's very good. Also, there's a cool part. It's kind of focused through the, I love this book so much, two Padawans. One of who, I can't remember his name, and I didn't look it up. He's okay. He's the one that I think, Bail Organis, he's gunned down. They retroactively name him that. And he's mm-hmm. freaking out because he's getting forced visions of Anakin killing him. So at the end of the book, Anakin and Obi-Wan are come in and they kind of save their butts. And he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're not here to kill me. And Anakin's like, okay, that's weird. But of course, you know, we if you've seen the prequels, you know, like, unfortunately, buddy, in a couple of years. But there's a girl, and I just i scout, and I love this Padawan so much. She's not super powerful in the Force, and her biggest fear is that, like, they're going to flunk her out of being a Jedi and send her, like, the Agricultural Corps or something. Mm-hmm. One of those kind of offshoots for people who, like, fail out, but, like, they still have a force that works in particular areas. They're still smart. They're still trained. How can we use you in the broader thing of of saving the galaxy without you becoming, like, a combat knight? And there's a great... And why Yoda kind of takes her on this mission to teach her, they're doing lightsaber combat training in front of the masters to be picked as particular Padawans. Like, it's where they, you know, a master picks them. And they're using training lightsabers. And they're told they can use anything, their abilities, their knowledge, anything in the room, as long as they don't try to kill each other, basically. And the girl she's fighting is way better than her in the Force and a way better lightsaber duelist. And she catches the training saber in her hand and she basically like punch i think she punches the girl out i just it's this beautiful moment and like her hand gets really burnt. she's got to get healed then. and he's like you can't do that in a real fight and she's like but this you know i was told to use everything in the context and the context is this isn't a real fight it's mm-hmm. a training fight and that lightsaber is not going to cut my hand off and cauterize the wound it's going to it's going to shock me and burn me but it's not going to pass through me and so i can per- i can grab its blade and, and then use something else. And, you know, if I'm being judged on how I fret well using everything available to me in this fight, that's part of it. My mm-hmm. knowledge that this, this is not a real lightsaber. You know, and this, like, of course, tickles Yoda to no end, and he, you know, basically suggests to, you know, to one of the, um, I think one of the medics to take her on because her area, that's why she's scared of going go to agricultural core. She's good with, like, life and healing and stuff. She's not super good at throwing things around or jumping off walls. And that was just itself, just that, like, Just that dogged, I'm not going to lose this. You know, I'm not going to go down with no style just because you're better than me. It's because you're naturally a better swords person and have more force power. And the fact that Yoda loves that, that was cool too. That Yoda's like, this girl is awesome because she's right. You know, you could do that in a real fight, but this isn't a real fight. And part of the conditions of this fight is that they know it's not a real fight. And just everything about that book I found great. I thought it brought together the Yoda you see in both trilogies very well and, and as a whole person. That doesn't neglect anything, and obviously I have to talk about this a whole lot. I really like it, it's, and it's the only prequel novel on my thing, but it, it fills in so many cool gaps. It does it so well, and, and I get why it's polarizing. I get why, especially if you're, if you're younger and you first saw Yoda flipping around with a little lightsaber fighting Dooku and you know throwing Senate seats at Sidious... You know, then you saw maybe the original trilogy, and you're like, "Oh, well, he's faking it here. He's this is part of his training. He's not really a Joker. I mean, you can see that, but that's not the Yoda I first met. The Yoda I first met was like, it was like, oh, hee hee give me food.' You know, keep mm-hmm. messing around with this with this this young kid who is young, this 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 just off the farm by a year or whatever boy, who who doesn't realize." You know, I mean, part of the, the the whole Jedi thing is very much martial arts, and like, uh, you know, most martial, you know, that's the cool part of the Karate Kid, too, right? Like, so I'm so bringing this back to this because i was thinking about that. But you mm-hmm. know, like, martial arts is just about can I beat this guy up? That's not really what it's supposed to be about. Certainly, you gain those abilities. I just finished reading Jurassic Park again. I think I posted something about, like, now I'm going to remember all these dinosaur books. And there's a funny part there, too, where Malcolm has a speech where he goes, by the time you learn to kill a man with your bare hands, you learn the self-control, that you're not, you know, not going to be in danger of killing like, anybody with your bare hands. You know, the, the, the true martial arts master is not in danger of accidentally murdering his wife in a fit of rage or killing a guy in a bar fight, because by the time you have got this skill, you also have the discipline. You mm-hmm. can't become go-to there in the proper way without getting the discipline. And, uh, and that's also a thing. And I think that, 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 that it's brought together, all it's brought together very well. And I know that it's polarizing to some people, but it's my absolute favorite prequel novel. The only one I thought was worthy of, of this list.
0: I don't have super strong memories of that, but I, I do remember that training fight. I absolutely remember that. It makes me want to go back and, and read it again and, and dive more into that perspective that you're, you're talking about with Yoda, because it, it, I agree, it's it sounds like a great characterization of him. So my number three, I have... I couldn't pick just one, the The X-Wing series by Michael Stackpole and Aaron Alston. So kind of splits the earlier ones by Michael, Michael Stackpole are, are sort of the Rogue Squadron ones. And then later with Aaron Alston, they become Wraith Squadron, all sort of under the command of, of Wedge Antilles, who is a character that's really fleshed out by this. And, you know, these are the books that, that point out the fact that Wedge Antilles is the only Person who survived the assault on both of the Death Stars, and you know, and really gives him the the due as a character and a pilot that, that he deserves. But I love these, and it really, you know, it really does lean into the sort of you know World War II dogfighting kind of aspect of things that that the, the movie, the the star fighting, the dogfighting is very much inspired by. And what makes part of what makes them so cool is that if if they were trying to be quote unquote realistic with their their space combat it would not make for great great cinematic storytelling but by the choice to make the, the starfighters basically world war ii planes is part of what makes i think the Star Wars movie so great and so the x-men series really leans into that sort of stuff with what rogue squadron and race squadron and they're a sort of a military story but then they're also spies especially when they become Ray squadron uh doing commandos stuff like that lots of fun i think aaron alston is a much better writer than michael stackpole especially in his his dialogue and his characterization. but I love all of these stories and um, I said when they announced the the title of of Rogue One, I was definitely excited for a little bit that this was going to be a, a, a rogue squadron <laughs> kind of story and I was very disappointed when that wasn't the case. But you know these the the x- wing series was really the first sort of look in a lot of ways into that other that other side of the Star Wars universe that isn't involved with you know the Jedi and this sort of mythic. Big picture thing, but you know, the perspective of the of the little guys involved in the war, you know, the everyday soldiers and and their lives mm-hmm. and and things like that. And I think it is it's a great perspective that the Star Wars stories can show when they're doing things well. And yeah. unfortunately, I don't think the Rogue One and and Solo did a great job of giving us that other perspective. But I think the X Men series definitely definitely does.
1: Was X Men one where um maybe it was Corin early on before he met his. Mm-hmm. Like, which is always funny because his wife, of course, is the is the daughter of like like a space pirate slash gambling king guy. Of course, mm-hmm. Corbin was a cop, but like, didn't he have a relationship with a boffin, a female boffin? Like, was there an interesting thing? Maybe remember yeah, mm-hmm. and like part of the tension in their relationship is like they're not compatible to make babies, yeah. and so there's a real question like, well, how can we want to have kids? How can we have kids? And they ended up breaking up over it, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. but but that was an interesting kind of thing, right? In a universe where you know, obviously, you know, there are there's humans and there's I forget the Star Wars term for species like Twi'leks and stuff or like I think
0: I think they I think they just call them aliens.
1: Yeah. But like uh, there's they, like a sometimes in some of the books they do like Oh yeah
0: like, yeah. There's like they have a different
1: kind of human aliens who humans can and and can make, you know, can can breed with and then like yeah. they're not like us at all. And I thought that yeah. was interesting because that's like, you know, it takes guts to confront that, but like these two people, they fight together. They have uh, you know, they they know each other very well. They have feelings for each other that you know, that became romantic, but they can't, you know, and what does that do? And that's complicated. I mean, obviously, it's very different than the question of just fertility and stuff. I mean, like, in a sense of, like, the real world, like, infertility issues. But, you know, that took a little bit of guts, I think, to kind of... One of those questions that nobody asks. Let's ask it.
0: What's your number two?
1: The, what is this, I guess, technically the first expanded Universe novel? Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I really like Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I will admit that I read that. Again, that was one of those books I read out of the, the school library. And so reading it as a guy who's seen the trilogy, there's some weird parts where like Luke has a crush on Leia, but mm-hmm. of course it was written before there was anything else. And if you just watch, you know, and star Wars, your little star Wars, a new hope, if we must, you, I mean, you do very much get, you do very much get, you know, she kisses him the cheek for luck and stuff. And there's kind of like a little bit of a triangle, like between the two mm-hmm. of them and the princess. And so it makes perfect sense. If you have nothing but that first movie, the original movie, and you're writing a book, like what happens right after? Like, they're doing it together on this mission. He's like, she's a really pretty girl, and I like her a lot. And we face death together, and, and maybe yeah. you know, you know. I mean, obviously later on, that whole making her a sister allows Luke to fall into that kind of warrior monk aesthetic, mm-hmm. and then ends the tr- ends that triangle in a in a way that allows her to live out kind of the the deepening of that romance that happened in the Empire when they were together, and Luke had to leave them. But it's a good and it's interesting. It's an interesting book. I mean, the Kybar crystals come back in different ways. I think they are still coming. They, you know, I think they're still technically part of the new expanded universe because I think they they bring them up a bunch in in the Clone Wars TV show.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the uh, in Rogue One, the whole thing is they're on the planet mining Kyber crystals. It's you know spelled differently, yeah. but but yeah, they they definitely yeah. make a focus on the Kyber crystals. Yeah.
1: And uh, it's just, it's fun. And com- it has a comic book adaption, which is great. And it has art by one of my favorite artists of like, you know, the 90s, Chris Sprouse, who did art for the Legion of Super well, Legionaries, mm-hmm. before they, they decided to muck up the DC future every 10, every five years. So the Legion of Superheroes makes no sense. There was like a weird thing where like now the Legion of Superheroes, like because we followed them since the 50s or whatever. Um, now they're older, they're adults. But oh, there's like now there's young clones, and who's the real ones? And and then they when they rebooted it for Zero Hour again, because it already kind of left in tatters with Crisis on Infinite Earth became. But he was the original artist part of the first year or so where it was the old continuity, and then into the new. And that's where I first encountered him. I think he's a great mm-hmm. artist. I think he did a great job. You know, so I would recommend the novel. Alan Dean. Oh, I was gonna say this wrong. I was gonna call him Alan Dean Foster. I was gonna call him Forrester. And I know that's not correct. Yeah. Like, he's not like, you know, he's not Dr. Forrester from M- uh, Master Science Theater 3000. But I just want to say that. So, yeah. but he's a, you know, he's a decent author and it's a good, it's a good book. And it, he does a lot of interesting, imaginative stuff when all he has is, here's yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. something follows it. And it's fun. And, uh, and I think, you know, ultimately when you're coming down to Star Wars, you know, fun is, is the number one thing. That's why Star Wars blew up the way it did. It was fun.
0: And it's actually, it's my understanding that basically the idea that he's working from is, this was sort of George's like backup idea for the sequel to Star Wars, if it hadn't done as well as it did and allowed them to make Empire. It's a smaller story, and so this is kind of George's backup plan as a sequel, if Star Wars was not the success that it, of course, ended up being. So it's it's interesting just to, uh, just for that fact. So my number two, I went back and forth. It took me a, a long time to decide which I was going to put number two and which I was going to put number one. And it may be a surprise to some people, but my my number two is the Thrawn Trilogy by Timothy Zahn. Sure, you have quite a lot to say about this, but I agree that for a lot of people who are interested in getting into the Expanding Universe, or the, the Legends canon now, as it's called, uh, this is definitely the place to start. And when they when they first announced the sequel trilogy, I immediately went back and reread the first thing I did. like Literally within an hour of hearing about the fact that Disney had bought star Wars and they're going to make a new trilogy. I immediately went and, and reread the throne trilogy. The, the, the first thing I did because it, it is, it's such a great continuation of uh, the story. It, it really is. It, it's not the first expanding universe novel, but it's really the, the, the spark that ignites yes. the, the whole thing and makes it a huge thing that it is introduces so many great characters. Uh, that become big deals in the later books and, and stories and things like that. Of course you have Grand Admiral Thon, but even, you know, Mara Jade, she becomes Luke's wife and, and mother of, of of Ben Skywalker. You have Garnbell Ibis, who is, you know, one of the founders of one of the three founders of the the Alliance. Mm. You have Glad Pillion who becomes a much bigger character later on as well i love him Uh, so much yeah he's a fantastic character you have cool things like the the nogri an alien species which is is super cool and i was reading you know doing some research on this as well that timothy zahn wanted because they they basically as a race worship darth vader and they they view darth vader as sort of of a messiah figure and one of the things about them is they their sense of smell is so acute that they can smell your blood your bloodline and so when leia visits them they can smell and recognize that she's the daughter of a Darth Vader. And so they, they call her lady Vader, um, which she does not like, but it's a really interesting <laughs> thing. But uh, Timothy Zahn originally wanted the Nogri to be, to be the Sith. That's what, so when, before everything was established that Vader had this title of the dark Lord of the Sith, but no one really knows, knew what the Sith were and what that meant. And so Timothy Zahn wanted to, the Nogri to be the Sith. So he was, you know, the, the dark Lord of this, this race, of people, uh, and his the design of his helmet. He wanted the Nogri to look like that, and so his his helmet was a basically a, a symbol of of him being the the Lord of the Nogri, which is, I think is just a a cool little detail there. But the, of course, the this whole thing is driven by Grand Admiral who is just a fantastic character. He's this military genius. He's an alien. He's a a, a chiss, but and the Empire as we. No, was was very humanocentric it was very anti-alien so the fact that an alien could rise to the rank of grand admiral speaks to his his brilliance and the fact you know he just he couldn't be ignored so you know part of that is why they sent him away because they couldn't have a grand admiral an alien grand admiral you know going around in front of everyone because it would cause issues but it's it's interesting character dynamic there that that this this alien is just so brilliant and even even this racist, uh, xenophobic yeah. empire, empire, couldn't deny him the rank he deserved.
1: Yeah. So, to be completely honest, my one and two, which became my one when we, because I wasn't sure if the the novelization was okay, is basically, Thrawn Trilogy, Hand of Throne, duology. I mean, mm-hmm. kind of all together. Because essentially, I mean, in a very well. Well, you're right. The Thrawn Trilogy is that spark that really blows up the EU, and then the duology. The whole point of that was to close off a bunch of plot lines and set future stuff up when they're going to new Jedi order. Mm -hmm. That's what they asked him to do. And, and it's Thrawn is a fascinating character. And, and it's interesting because it's, I was just reading some, like I said, I was reading some stuff about Thrawn to refresh my memory on little things about, um, and there's a quote, and I forget if it's, it's from Zahn or from other stuff, but it comes up like, well, like, how can you serve this, you know, the xenophobic, Mm -hmm. you know, speciesist racist, whatever you want to call it empire. And Thrawn goes, you know, when everybody is coming from a different place with different philosophies, someone has to rise to the top. He goes, and that shouldn't if they do it right, they should still listen to those others and take useful things. Mm Because that's one of his big things he mentions in the the thing, like, I am not, you know, I am not willing I, I am not going to throw away a useful idea because I don't like where it comes from. That's kind of one of his 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 kind of points. Why he keeps the alien art around from other species to kind of help spark his mind in creative ways. And so you know, whether he likes it or not, it's like, it's what's got to be done. Now, again, obviously problematic. But the beauty, I think, of, of all the Thrawn stuff, what Zahn did so well, there are noble Imperials. Gilad Palan is one of the best characters in the entire EU. That man mm-hmm. is heroic. That man is noble. He is also an imperial you know admiral. And
0: and he and he really believes in the empire, you know, yeah. for for a long really long time. Going forward, you know, he's he's ends up leading the imperial remnant and all these sorts of things. Like he he is an imperial man to his core to the end. Yeah. But he's a he's a great man.
1: And and so that was important too. And I think part of that what what made him so good was of course he is kind of Thrawn's right hand as well. So mm-hmm. this is obviously a man who has learned from who has not let himself be closed off to other ideas, because obviously the man he's a right hand to is an alien. I think that was good. I I, I think that was good because even the worst places have good people, and sometimes good people fight for bad causes. And sometimes good people view the cause they're fighting for as different than the people who make them bad. And I think that was very, an interesting thing, which allowed for the ultimate creation of the Galactic Alliance, you know, Mm -hmm. against the fate of the uh, against the Vong and everything like that and I just think everything about the Thrawn books is one of those lizards that hunt by the force that Card has, I can't remember their name now
0: uh, the, it starts with a V it's like a Vorsk or Vong Vorsk, or yeah. yeah, oh
1: man those are, those are as, as and frightening I mean until mm-hmm. so you meet the Vong who you can't sense they're yeah. like one of the most frightening kind of anti-Jedi things in the world. And mm-hmm. he writes them that like, oh, I can't hide from these things. I can't cloak my... Even trying to cloak myself in the Force fails because by using the Force, they, you know, a species that tunes in, that, that, that evolved basically to like sense the Force uh, so it could survive as a predator. Yeah. Just br- so many brilliant ideas, so many amazing characters who became so very important to the overall history, mythology, whatever you want to call it, of the expanded universe. Uh, the, the Thrawn books... Are to me the touchstone. The one thing that tempts me to read new kind of EU stuff, if you will, is this. After my bad experience with like one of the first novels and just I didn't like did it spark me at all and just seemed kind of not fun. Is that Zahn is writing Thrawn stuff for the new re- for the new mm-hmm. universe as well. And there's a part of me it's like, well, I mean, whatever else I think I can read Zahn and, and yeah. see what he's doing with this character who I love and who he created. And so he obviously. Is going to be true to when sticking him into like the new history that's being mm-hmm. written for the post post fall the empire world. You know, those are the really the only books that currently that, that tempt me to like to like kind of the first one. I just the first one was just so bad. I was like, I'm done. I'm not reading any of these. I don't care
2: mm-hmm. about. Them.
1: I'm not gonna. I've invested so much in the old EU, and this didn't spark my uh, to, to 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 take me This did not spark joy and so i don't need need to clutter up my life with them but then it's like well but zara's writing thrawn again and i'm like well maybe those i mean maybe i can i can give that up yeah i've
0: I've, i felt similar tugs i was i was very excited to see when they added thrawn back into the the new canon and that he exists in in the new canon as well i was very excited to see that so i have had similar tugs to to dive back in and investigate more of that but i you know, for, for several reasons, I've been very turned off by the, the new canon, and so I haven't quite dove in yet, but I, I definitely have been tempted by the fact that Zon is writing Thrawn again.
1: It'll really depend. When I do my EU read-through, my old EU read-through, if when I read all his stuff that touches on Thrawn and all the ways he's written them, including you know, Thrawn pops up in Outbound Flight and mm-hmm. uh, a Force of One and things like that where he kind of fills in some backstory on various things, that become important for for New Jedi Order. That become important for Mara Jade and Luke Skywalker's past. You know, when I read all the old Zon stuff again, I might go, "Well, maybe I'll give it a try if when yeah. I have a couple of bucks to spare." But we'll see.
0: I went into it expecting Thrawn would be my number one, but the 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 series that that dethroned Thrawn for me was the the Tales of the Jedi comics, which is where you get the the story of Exar Kun and. Ulit and all, and Nomi Sunrider, and and really the the birth of the the Knights of the Old Republic era, yeah, uh, In which you know a lot of people who played the video games, which again I love Kotor one and two. I played the MMO, when I actually you know have started playing the MMO again. I convinced uh, a couple people on Twitter to start playing it. I've gotten Father Dan addicted, <laughs> <laughs> so he he texts me that he's he's playing at night. So I I love the Kotor. I think Kotor is probably. The best era of Star Wars, in my you know, outside of the original trilogy, I think Kotor is yeah. the best. The best that Star Wars is. So the Tales of Jedi comics is is where all that comes from, and the story, the the tragedy of Luke Corl Droma, his fall and and redemption, you know, it's and then you know the great Sith the Sith War, all that sort of stuff. It's just it's just fantastic, and I because of of what it birthed and and what the Old Republic era became. That's that's what put it number one for me.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, i see that. Those were fantastic comics. I probably still have, I might have an omnibus of those somewhere. I realized as I was in my, you know, spending a week in my old room with still got a lot of my old books. I have a whole shelf of like Star Wars omnibuses from Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm pretty certain that the, that, the, that the Tales of the Jedi stuff is, is among them. And now I kind of want to see if they are because if, if I can find them easily, I might read them again over, this, over the rest of this week. But they, you're right, they do set up. And, and the Old Republic era is just so, there's so much deep stuff in there. In the sense of that, there's so many veins to mine for stories, Mm -hmm. and and I think we've been relatively lucky from from those comics up through, certainly at least up through Drew. I can't I can't say his name either, but through his Dark Bane, Darth Bane Mm -hmm. trilogy, from the kind of ending of that Sith Empire to the creation of the Rule of Two, um, you know, and and things like that. I think there is there's so many veins in there, and and they've all been mined. Many of them have been mined incredibly well, um, incredibly. Uh, good comics, good novels, good video games—stuff that is really, you know, especially for—for for I think for for fans of a certain era, especially kind of right in that kind of late nineties to 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 right before the reboot, you know, really to to mm-hmm. the, the mid, to, if not the, I wouldn't call them the tens, the teens, whatever. There's just some beautiful stuff, stories told with have great mythic, import, both of great mythic character and just as character studies, and mm-hmm. that sometimes is hard to do, I think it's 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 hard to to get a you know cuz you know you read old myths and characterization and no, no, this is not at all against anything like homer or gilgamesh or beowulf or anything like that but those kind of heroic mythical stories have a mode and those mode doesn't want to get too much into the heart of you know those things but they touch on those while still being fascinating studies of character and still bringing in, I mean, you know, not to get, I mean, you know, Star Wars comics, Star Wars novels, whatever, you know, we're not talking, but you know, they bring in some of the best of both that kind of mythic, which Star Wars touches into, obviously, and also some of that fast, like you said, tragedy and stuff, like, there's there's tragedies, like, you know, I'm not, like, you know, I'm not saying it's Macbeth or Hamlet, right, but certainly the, I don't know, the, the literary form, like, it plays out well, if you, mm-hmm. and I don't know, you know what, fine, put the quote, Father LaRouque says, Father Brennan says, these comics good as Hamlet. Maybe good, <laughs> yeah. good as Big Bang. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's
0: just, it's just. I mean, you know, this 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 whole sequence where you know Ulu Kaldron falls to the dark side, and his brother goes to confront him, and he he kills his brother, and in that moment, he is overcome by grief and turns himself over to the Jedi, and Nomi Sunrider, who was his his lover, is just so overcome with grief and rage at what he has done and what he's become that she you know without really understanding the powers that she has just cuts them off from the force and it's it's an incredible moment and you know the, the the drama and the emotion there is it's so raw and so real
1: really is i hope i can find i hope i hope i'm right about where they are because now i got of want to read them again
2: yeah yeah you without know, yeah, having to try again. to
1: pay for some digital version somewhere yeah uh, you know if i can avoid it right now so absolutely
0: that's fun do you have any other closing thoughts do we get all your books? Did you get we did, Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean,
1: basically, I, I combined all the Thrawn books because I okay. just, both Thrawn and his legacy and how Zahn does that with the kind of like the whole, the spark that is kind of he basically sparks the modern EU with with that that trilogy and he brings an era of it to the close with the duology and mm-hmm. and the beauty and the importance of of um, you know, of so much stuff of of Jade of, of Thrawn of Pleon, of um, Talon Card, who. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes from being a villain to almost, uh, you know, the same kind of arc almost that Lando and Han, and Han get, certainly in the movies and, and a little bit more in the in the in the EU, of becoming almost legitimate, <laughs> if yeah. you will, uh, uh, you know, brought that way by their own inherent conscience and also by the, the exigencies of what's going on in the world, uh, in the galaxy. And it is just, a, and I think that's why, like, the the fact that we can sit down and we can name each name ten books, and we had overlap, but we also had a lot of different books that we are both familiar with, speaks to when Star Wars is at its best what it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, why it kind of captured the audience when it did, and why it continues to, to be something that, that matters to people. I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly there's, like, the consume product, you know, buy next product aspect of things, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Laser swords and force, and and you like this stuff, and you've seen it before. But when it's done well, it can. The original movie, you know, Star Wars itself, brought together both a kind of mythological, you know, I mean, I don't want to get on like Campbell hero's journey stuff, but it did bring a kind of a myth arc in context with characters who are more than just cookie cutters. I mean, there's obviously like you know, there's archetypicals like the farm boy who becomes the hero, like the scoundrel with the heart of gold. To, the princess you know the uh, you know the, the warrior princess you know uh, um and, and all that you know the the evil dark wizard enforcer guy etc mm. but also and and this is probably just a thing of the chemistry of the actors and uh, and the directing and the editing but it, it brought both the mythic and the personal together in a way that that i think was just fun and a throwback to the fun stuff that used to be some of the early pulp stuff that was just like yep battles on other planets and and daring do you know, in a way that captured people. And I think still captures people when it's at its best, you know, which is why I, don't, I was on the fence about episode nine, but like I saw pictures of the Knights of Ren and I said, maybe I'll give this a chance. It comes out at Christmas. So maybe my buddy will buy me a ticket <laughs> for a present anyway. So I won't even yeah. have to be guilty about like trying to waste my buddy. But uh, mm-hmm. if he listens to this and he's like, decides never to he's never doing it for me again. So when it's at its best, it can, it can be uh it can be a heck of a lot of fun, and also touch on things that are imp- that you know on on human aspects of both that are very real and can be very touching and very moving and, and very uh, powerful. And uh, and I think that's why it has it's endured even through some of the schlock and the and the and the junk that you know obviously gets associated with it. And hopefully, I don't know, man, I don't know how to take the mouse, but uh, I'm hoping that at some point someone will get that before the. They, I don't want to say ruin it, but, you know. I mean, Star Wars will still be the that movie will still be itself, yeah. and it will still be a, a, a classic. And I think there's you know a little hints of that with letting, letting Zahn right thrown again uh, mm-hmm. gives me a little hope. So.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I know there there's there's some things that look coming. There's some things coming forward that look, look pretty promising. I think the the Mandalorian, uh, that TV show, I think looks yeah. like it, it can be pretty cool. They're they are finally making a an old Republic. A Knights of the Old Republic era movie, which I'm Goodness. excited about. Less excited about the Dan and Dave from Game of Thrones about the trilogy that they're going to make. Just oh. given how they uh, handled the end of Game of Thrones, less, little less excited about that. But you know, we'll always have, you know, we'll we'll always have the the movies. We'll always have these books, uh, no matter what comes forward. And you know, it's uh, maybe they'll they'll be a little little piece of gold in there in, in some of these.
1: Yeah. If you, can, if, you know, stars can survive, what was it, the Black Fleet books or whatever? <laughs> the yeah. crazy stuff, you know, that was was there. Zahn had a spark, and some there was some gold, and there was also, let's throw this against the wall. And what super weapon does the MP, the Imperial Remnant have now? You know, there was plenty of that. You know, like, that's why, like, I can't get super mad at, like, um, Force Awakens. Like, it's just yeah. a bigger Death Star. I'm like, I read the EU, man. That was, like, for a while, that was, like, like bigger Death Star. This yeah, one needs uh, suns. This yeah, one get, bl- like, Kip
0: Kip Kip Duran has a single pilot sun crusher, and he <laughs> fires a torpedo into a sun and destroys the entire system. Like, yeah, what I mean, just you know, happened?
1: I mean, it happens. I mean, I mean, you know, your little little Star Wars growing pains. Doomsday weapon of the week is part of that. We're aware of it, so I mean, you know, I can I can uh, I can forgive a little bit. I can forgive some of that. You know, yeah, you know?
0: definitely. It's uh, you know, as long as it's fun, and not everything has to be has to be Shakespeare. No, as long as you know, you can you can take yourself too seriously sometimes, but. That's uh, yeah, true you know, it's and there's, know, there's room in there's room in the galaxy for all sorts of stories and really You just have is. to accept them you know for what they are
1: and in Shakespeare's day he was the George Lucas, you know you know yeah absolutely oh, popular entertainment, you know mm-hmm, and, I think we, and we do theater to service when we treat it like it's something for like snooty people. Which is why I go to the Pennsylvania Shakespeare Festival, at my alma mater, to sales University, and I go in jeans and Star Wars t-shirts, and you're all going to like the fact that I'm here <laughs> watching Macbeth with you in jeans and a Star Wars t-shirt, because this is for the people. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, this was so much fun, Father. Thank you for joining me. If people want to follow you, hear some more of your thoughts about Star Wars or anything else, where can they find you?
1: At Padre Brendan on Twitter. God help them if they decide that uh, that my thoughts are worth their time. But, you know, I have fun. I try to have fun. Absolutely. Uh, and, that's, uh, and that's what's the important thing. I think that, uh, you know, truth is uh, very important. But if you can't have fun, with, well, three Davila, right? God save us from sour-faced saints. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying I'm a saint, but, uh, but I try at least not to be sour-faced. So if God, in his providential wisdom gives me the grace to get there at least I hopefully won't be a sour-faced
0: one absolutely yeah thank you so much for joining me
1: thank you for this this was a heck of a lot of fun
0: thank you for listening to this week's episode of top worst whatever you can follow us on twitter at top worst cast please make sure to rate and review us on whatever your podcast platform of choice is tune in next week for a new guest and a new top or worst of whatever it is they want to talk about